So let's get into the Word. We're going to continue in our series in Hebrews. Um, and this is chapter 11. Um, and if anybody's been around the Bible long enough, you probably even have chapter 11, verse 1 memorized. Um, and so if you do, uh, maybe my translation might be a little different, but um, uh, we're going to get into it. But what I want to get into, what I'd like to start with, is how much I don't want to get into it. Don't, don't we all want to try to avoid the pain in the world? I don't want to go through stuff. I don't want to have anything happen to me. Why can't I just be comfortable? Why can't life just be easy? Wouldn't it be better if life were just be easy? That's what I want in life. I want to avoid all the things that are promised, that are problems, all the challenges. Uh, and I don't want to have anything to do that's going to make me have to, I don't know, not like life. Uh, and so often that sentiment is the one that we start with, and we start with this idea that I, I don't, I don't want to have any problems. I want to chase comfort. But why did we ever get the idea that comfort was better? Uh, what, if, what if in your season of, of pain and discomfort was to draw something out of you that you didn't expect to be there. Now, I, I want to take a second and, and, and create a little caveat here, right? God does not create pain. He does not bring problems in our life so that we might be tried. But through those trials, nonetheless, what is exposed could be useful for him. And by being exposed in that way, we might be useful to him. Or maybe this, maybe you'll recognize this, you, uh, you have a long day of work, you've been doing, you know, all the stuff you got to do in life, right? And you sit down on the couch and you turn on CSI Charlotte Special Victims Unit or whatever's out, or, you know, uh, property brothers flipping houses in, I don't know, let's say Winston-Salem. And all of a sudden, you know, you pull out your phone. Because, you know, you got to have your phone on because whatever you're watching is a little just too boring. And you start flipping through something, right? Uh, and, oh, okay, or you're, you're, you're waiting in line and it's boring, so you pull out your phone. Or you're in a conversation and it's boring, so you pull out your phone. <laughs> or the pastor keeps repeating himself and so you pull out your phone. Uh, okay, and what are we doing? We're looking and looking and looking, I'll like and liking, I'll follow and follow and scroll and scroll and searching, searching for love, swipe right. We're searching for uh, happiness, we're searching for peace, we're searching for comfort, we're searching for something to fill our lives with. And the reality is the answer to life, the meaning of life is never going to be found on your feed. It's not there. It's not anywhere to be had on your phone. Not that there's anything wrong with phones. Not that there's anything wrong with being entertained. Not that there's anything wrong with luxury or vacations or work or hobbies or downtime or comfort. None of these things are wrong, but all of it is just the stuff of life. It's not life. You catch that? All of the stuff that we think is, is life is just the stuff. It's not life. You have a purpose in your life. You have a purpose in life, and it is this overarching goal of God to get you to that purpose so that his purpose might be fulfilled. And we see this, and we're going to see this here in Hebrews when we get into it, that, that all of these players in life have a part to play. And if your part to play is not being played, then who's playing your part? Are you losing out on being a part of something fabulous and something God-ordained so that you might get lost on a swipe right? You might be lost in your feed? 
All of the things in life are, are all about what it is God has in plan for you. But, but do you know what God has in plan for you? Faith, this stuff we're doing right now, the reason you came to church, all boils down to this. This is it. If you don't take anything else, go ahead and write this down on your arm. And then when you're showering tomorrow, you're like, what is that? Oh, yeah, this is great words from Ryan. The essence of faith is not to believe in God. It is to believe God. Did you catch that really subtle difference there? The essence of faith is not to believe in God. It is to believe God. He has promises. He doesn't expect you to believe blindly. He has put into place people throughout all of history for thousands, literally thousands and thousands of years to prove to you that a life of faith is life. That anything other than a life of faith is not life. So we get into Hebrews. Hebrews 11, chapter 1. Now faith is the hope of the future, and it, it is proof of things unseen. Verse 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain's. Through this he received approval as righteousness. God himself gave approval to his gift. He died, but through his faith he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken so that he did not experience death, and he was not found because God had taken him. For it was attested before he was taken away that he had pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would approach God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah warned by God about the events as yet unseen, respected the warning, and built an ark. Everybody talks about the ark, right? Like how crazy would Noah have to be to build an ark? Do you, do you know how much he would have had to pay for the wood? <laughs> Nobody talks about the, the cost he put on his shoulders. To build an ark, let alone all the other stuff that would have had to happen, to save his household... By this, he condemned the world and became an heir to the righteousness that is in accordance with faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in a land he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect is the builder, whose architect is builder is God. By faith, he received the power of procreation. Even though he was too old and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born. As many as the stars of heaven and as innumerable as the grains of sand by the seashore. All of these died in faith without having received the promise. I'm just going to read that again. All of these died in faith without having received the promise. All of these, these faithful people, they didn't receive the promise. That is, God didn't say, if you do this, then I'm going to give you this. God said, do this. And they said, okay. And they didn't even receive the, the promised land. Abraham didn't walk into the promised land. 
Noah didn't see all of the people of the world righteous. In fact, when he died, he recognized that, no, no, all of that was for nothing. The people were still evil and didn't love righteousness. All of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a far distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the land. For people who speak in this way make it clear that they are speaking, seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of a land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. Isn't that the truth? How often you step out in faith, or, or not even just step out in faith, just do something new, and it's hard, and it's difficult, and you don't want to do anything. Man, wasn't it better back there? Wouldn't it be better if I just got back to the place that I was, what I was doing with the people I was doing? And man, that was good. It was good. I want to go back to that. All of these would want to go back to that. But they didn't. They pushed forward, and not to receive a prize, but rather because of who it is that they are working for. Verse 16, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when put to the test, offered up Isaac. He who had received the promises was ready to offer up his only son, of whom he had been told, it is through Isaac that descendants shall be named for you. He considered the fact that God is able even to raise someone from the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked blessings for the future on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave instructions about his burial. By faith, Moses was his by his parents for three months after his birth because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict, which was to kill all of those boys. By faith, Moses, when he was growing up, refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to share ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered abuse suffered for Christ to be greater wealth than treasures of Egypt. Did you catch that? Moses considered it better to be abused in Egypt for Christ. Now hold on, wait, didn't Jesus come later? Like thousands of years later? How is it that Moses decided that it was better to serve Christ? And this gets at the idea that there is this ark from the very beginning that God has a plan, an ark of time to get to a spot. The top of that ark is Christ, and we are somewhere along that should we decide, as Moses did, to be a part of God's plan. Moses didn't even know Christ, but he was a part of Christ's plan. Verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, unafraid of the king's anger, for he preserved persevered as though he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. It's the plagues of Egypt. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry ground. But when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell. Listen for the little kids. No, no, they're not, they haven't fallen, the walls haven't fallen yet. But, they, but I have faith that they will. 
By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she received the spies in peace. Did you catch that? It doesn't matter where you came from, what you've done, who you think you are in Christ. By faith, you are who he made you to be. Even Rahab knows that. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in waters, for, and w- put to war, I'm sorry, because, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received the dead by resurrection, others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging. Those are our ancient Christian ancestors. And even chains and imprisonment, that's Paul. They were stoned to death. That's Stephen. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats and destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and in gyms and wondered whenever will the plague end. And they put on masks and they continued on despite all of the persecutions that were set in front of them. Do you understand that you are a part of this great history that God doesn't say that you need to believe out of nothing. You don't have to take this leap of blind faith. God has put for thousands of years person after person after person in front of God's people so that we might see there are people who follow God. And then we follow them and we ourselves become people of God. And then the world looks at us and goes, look, they're different. They're weird. They love on each other. They're helping people for no reason. They get into arguments and they forgive each other. What is going on with that over there? And when the world comes and they see what we're doing, they see our God. You have a part to play. And it's not on your phone, and it's not in the things, the good things that we fill our life with. It's with the other things. It's with the cross, which is a painful device of torture used to kill the person who would mount it. And our Lord says, mount it. Put it on your shoulders. Take the things in your life that you think that are so special and good and amazing, and they are special, and they are good, and they are amazing, and sacrifice them. Because someone else is even better. That's the Christ. That's our goal. That's what we're doing here. That there are people in this world, in this gym, in this church, who have decided to put it upon themselves to love God with all of their heart. And we get to be a part of that. We get to go out into the world and show people what it is to really love. Really love. Not love so I can get something back. Not love while it's convenient. Love completely. Now that's a really different thing. And it's hard. And it takes a support group. And that's what church is. It's a support group of people who are coming together to encourage one another and discern what it looks like to get together. 
that we might get together in God at this church on a Sunday. Now, next Sunday, we're going to get together. We're going to get together at DB's Tavern, and we're going to talk about what it looks like to be the church. And we're going to start a pattern, a habit, not only on Sundays, but the last Sunday of every month, we're going to go back to DB, DB's Tavern. Every Sunday, the last Sunday of every month, to continue the conversation. Because what we're doing here isn't to go through the motions. It is to be a part of that ark that Christ has set into motion. And to be a part of his church in this little neck of the woods. That we might reach those who are disaffected, who have been burned by church, who don't even know that they're loved by God. We have a mission, Christ South. And it's not to make this gym full of music. It's to make the world hear the praise of our Lord. Let's sing his praises. Mm -hmm.